Hey, will you pray with me? Lord God, you do, uh, you do hold the world in your hands. You know, we look back over these last 20 years of the, the nutty stuff that has happened in our culture, in our society, from 9-11, then we see wars, we see pestilence, we see perversion, we see filth, we see crime, we see homelessness, and Lord, we see you through it all. We know that the enemy is trying to get his foothold, but God, you have a plan. Lord, you have us in the palm of your hand. And God, your church, your church will stand forever because you are forever. You are God, and you have given us yourself, which means nothing can hold us back. And God, this morning as we open your word, let us be reminded of your sovereignty. Let us be reminded of, of the grace that you have poured out on humanity. So even when the evil one tries to get a foothold, the evil one tries to push us aside, he can't because you are in control. And so Lord, remind us as we open your word, encourage our hearts, let us put aside those things that are distracting us. Let us grab hold of your word, your truth, and let it become evident in us. And so God, I pray right now that those that, are, that come with relational problems, that they would see you in those, that come with, those that come with physical ailments, that they would see you, God, through those. And those that are struggling in a variety of ways, let us see you through those and know that you have a greater plan. So God, we rest in you, we rejoice in you, and we look forward to what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Oh, thank you. Thank you, team. Thank you, everyone. You know, we're, we're, if you're visiting with us, if you haven't been here for a little bit, just want to encourage you. What we're doing is we just started a study in Ephesians, and it is a wonderful book, and it's a book that we can look and we can actually see the blueprints. We can see a, a picture of what the church is to be, a picture of what you are to be as a believer, and it's very exciting. And so I just want to jump right in because I believe a lot of us are missing some truths. And if we grab hold of these, and I'm using the word embrace them because they're yours, grab hold of them, this will change your perspective on this world. This will change your perspective on your walk with God, and you will be more encouraged. You, if you lack self-esteem, you will be somebody that has grounding in, in your hope, and you will see that you are worth so much that you have value. And so you'll see today that the title is, <coughs> let's get out of, out of the way there. Yeah, it says, embrace the believer's blessings. You see, we have so many blessings and the sad part, and I went through much of my life, is not embracing the blessings that were given to me. You know, we have riches, and if we don't grab hold of those, we're not going to understand them, we're not going to use them, and they're not going to be something that we can enjoy. You know, and some of us, we don't grab hold of them because of, we lack comprehension. We can't quite grasp it. We get frustrated with it because we can't reconcile some things about God. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of things about God that I can't reconcile. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to create something out of nothing. You know, and I just go, well, how, how do I talk about that? Everybody likes to say, you know, God, you know, he created. And you go, really? What, what, how? 
What was there before God? We, we kind of get baffled in our minds. And we look at some doctrine in scripture and some Christians, they don't like to approach it because they can't explain it. And I wanna assure you today because we're gonna cross some of those paths today. And there's, there's, three, there's four words I want you to grab hold of that it should encourage you. And it's this, you are not God, okay? So, so grab hold of that and then relax a little bit going, whew, that's good. There are some people that act like they're God's gift, but they're not God, okay? The thing is, is we are not God. And if you were, if you understood the things of God, you would be elevated to God level and then be like God. And I don't want to worship you. My God is much bigger than you. And so we got to remind ourselves of something that's, that was uh, for us to be encouraged about out of Romans chapter 11, verse 33. It says this, as Paul writes, he goes, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. I mean, we can't grasp God. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a really good thing because it kind of puts us back in our places. It puts us back in, in who we are because we have finite minds. You can't grasp things. We have people that are brilliant and yet they try and tell us, you know, go buy electric cars, but turn off the electricity in your homes, right? We got that in California. Brilliant minds, right? Doesn't make any sense. Okay, even the brilliant people lack. And the reality is, is we all lack. So we have to understand that God's ways are amazing. And that goes right into our first point that we're gonna tackle today. So I'm just jumping right in because I got a lot to cover. But this should encourage you. you. This should grab hold of your heart as a big way to let out some steam and just relax and take a sigh. Understand this. We have to do this, church. We have to understand the blessing of election. This is yours to embrace. The blessing of election. Now, some of you be going, what is election? You know, is that when I vote for something? It's when we vote going, okay, I'm gonna vote for this person or that person for governor and that kind of thing. Is it because, you know, my votes don't matter, so it doesn't really matter, right? But the reality is, is no, this isn't what it's about. It means you were chosen. You see, God chose you, Christian. If you're a believer here in this room and anywhere on this planet, God elected you from the foundation of the world to be chosen, his. And a lot of us just kind of go, really? Yeah, because I'll tell you, any Christian understands this truth, that you had nothing to do with your salvation, right? You had nothing to do with it. Nothing you do could save you. So that means God had to do it all. It was all on God. And we know this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Look what it says with me, church. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now we see that, and we go, okay, we, we know those verses very well. But the reality is it's a gift. God bestowed it on you. And so you had nothing to do with your salvation. God had to do it all. And we talked about this too as well as we go to John chapter 3. When, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisee Nicodemus about salvation. And he says this to him. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Now, we talked about this extensively a few months back. We talked about how that word again, born again, it's anathen in Greek, and anathen means from above. And so you have to be born from above. And if anybody knows that's been born from a woman, okay, you had nothing to do with your birth. Mom had everything to do with it. You had nothing, right? And so you have nothing to do with your spiritual birth. It's all on God. And so we have to embrace this truth about who our God is, about what he has done. We can't do anything about it. And that's why we read in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5, what Paul reads here. It says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to his kind intention, the kind intention of his will. Now, we read that, we see that, but that should encourage you right there. See, this is called the, uh, the doctrine of election, that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. This is a wonderful truth. Now, Christians, sit back and think about that. God mapped out everything before he created it, and he went, ah, I see, I see, I see John. I see, I see Haley. I see, I see Jen. I see, I see you fill in the blank. They're the ones that I want in my family. That is, that is something you should just relax and enjoy to the fact. That actually should change the way you approach life and approach your God. That he predestined you. Now that, that word predestined, what does that mean? It means determined beforehand or foreordained. He decided. Now, this doctrine is either going to be the greatest wonder and blessing and most loved doctrine that you will find in the word of God or it's going to be the most hated because a lot of people are going to say well that isn't fair they're going to say you know what why would I want to go for a God that chooses that decides on one thing or another you know I don't think that's right now so I want to talk about that for just a moment because there, there's a few things we got to understand about this whole doctrine of election and whole, the whole idea of God. And it's amazing, as I was reading in my personal devotionals this morning, this was actually part of it, and I didn't even plan it. And I was like, thank you, God. Because this truth is something that we should embrace, and our God is, is a gracious God. We have, to understand that, that we have to understand that no one deserves. No one deserves to be saved. Not you not them, not the people out there. No one deserves to be saved. We see it very plainly in Romans 3, verse 23, and it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now we've heard this verse, but that reality is, is you are not on God's level. You're a sinner and you don't deserve to be with God because you've committed at least one sin in your life. Because you are a sinner. You are a filthy. No one deserves it. But we also know this, what it says in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, your earnings are death. But Jesus offers life. He gives it. 
See, we have to understand something right there. We don't deserve it. It's not on us. And we have to understand, too, that no one deserves grace. What's grace? Grace is what? It is an unmerited gift. Meaning you don't deserve it. You shouldn't get it. But God, he says, you know what? I am. See, we don't deserve that. No one does. And then no one deserves anything from God. <laughs> this is one I just got, really? We don't deserve anything from God. Let that be put into the place where it needs to be. Let me give you an example. A man goes out and he's, he goes down to the Arrowhead Mall. Not many people like to go there, but he goes there anyway. And he, he goes in there with $5,000. And he looks around. There's all these people milling around. He starts handing out $500 to this person, $500 to this person. And so he finds 10 people and he gives $500 to them all. And they're thrilled. But there's a number of other people in there that saw this taking place and they just start getting mad going, where's mine? Well, you don't, why do you think you deserve it from him? You might think it's unfair, but wasn't it his to give out in the first place? Wasn't it his will to give out whatever he deemed to whoever he deemed? They might go, oh, that's not fair. And they go, why isn't it fair? Isn't it his to deem and give out as he so chooses? See, you, he doesn't owe you anything. He's just doing it because he wants to. See, that is what God has done for us. See, God doesn't know, owe anyone anything. And so, Christian, we have to understand that, you know what, God isn't unfair. See, that's where we like to go. That's not fair. No, God is gracious. And so, Christian, if you're saved, you have to understand the wonderful thing of God's grace that he has extended to you. Now you're going, wow. So if you're saved, start going, wow, I, my God cares for me this much. Then there's the other side of the coin. Christians like to go, well, what about my choice? What about my choice? You know, I mean, okay, so I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, uh, I didn't have a choice in the whole matter. That's not fair either, right? I want to make a choice. Well, you have a choice. We might remind ourselves of this in John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, what's that word believe? Now, believe isn't, isn't just like, I believe. You know, the demons believe. We talked about that in James, how the demons believe who Jesus is. What does it mean to believe? It's to make him your Savior and Lord. It means to follow him. It means, hey, I believe what he said, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adhere. I'm going to put my faith and trust in him, and I'm going to confess that he is Lord, and I'm going to follow him and make him my Lord. That's what it means to believe. Because a lot of people believe in Jesus, but they're definitely not saved. And so we see that we have this choice. Now, we see the sovereignty of God, the doctrine of election is truth. But human decision-making is truth, and they seem to be the opposite. And that's where we have to understand that we aren't God, that we can't fathom this wonderful gift. It's one that we can just rest in. Because if you try to knock that thing around, you're going to get lost in your mind. It's going to blow your head off. You see, our God is wonderful. And we can embrace this fact that, hey, sometimes I can't grasp it. See, there are other doctrines too. It's kind of like, you know what? We're, we're sealed. We're once saved, always saved. 
And then what happens? But there's called the perseverance of the saints. We're going to talk about that next week. See, it doesn't seem to go hand in hand, but it does. I like to look at it like this. When you go to glory, you see the big sign on the gates. All are welcome who believe. And then you go through. And on the back side of the gates, it says, you were chosen since the foundation of the world. See, that's what we get to embrace. That's the wonder of this doctrinal peace. That's the wonder of the blessing of election. I think of J. Vernon McGee, old pastor, and he said this. He goes, if you want to be part of the elect, choose to follow Christ. If you don't choose to follow Christ, you aren't part of the elect. It's very simple. See, Christians, we have, to, we have to understand. So if you're sitting there and you're not saved, you're not part of the elect, you can be, you have to choose, then you were. So you want to go to heaven, you get to choose, but you know what, if you don't, then you weren't part of it in the first place. See, God is a wonderful God, and we can fathom not everything, but we can fathom his love in giving us this understanding that he's in control. And when we look at that wonderful blessing of election, then we can truly embrace this, the blessing of sanctification. See, sanctification is a wonderful thing. And for you, you might be going, what's sanctification? It means to be made holy or set apart, sanctified. And a Christian is made holy in God. And there are two forms of sanctification. There's the sanctification of, of I would say, position or positional. So when you get saved, when God saves you, you're drawn into him. He makes you holy and blameless before him. So then what? You can go to glory and you can be before God. Now that's positional. He sees you as great, holy, and wonderful. But there's also or progressive sanctification. And this sanctification is something that we grow in. This is something we, we mature in and we become more like God throughout our lives. See, a lot of people, a false doctrine that's been out there in, in the world of Christianity is this. You get saved, you say that prayer, and you don't have to do a thing after that. You don't even have to grow. You say the prayer, you say, Jesus saved me, you're in, you get dunked, you don't have to do anything else, right? That's not how it works. Because when you're saved, there is this yearning in you, meaning the God of your creation, the God of your salvation. He abides in you and, and he gives you this desire in you to become sanctified. And we see it very plainly in Ephesians 1.4. Look what it says. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. We see it right there, that we would be holy and blameless and a lot of us go, well, that's in heaven. So I can still go about my, my earthly desires and do all the nasty stuff that I used to do before I was saved, right? No. Understand this. Understand election demands and promotes the radical moral excellence. See, that's what it promotes. We should want a change in our lives. We should want to be this person that goes after God and, and, and just exalt him. I think of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service 
of worship. You see, this is how we say thank you, that you've been elected. This is how we go, my God has saved me. I have worth. I have value. I will worship him. I will give my life to him. That, that is understanding of who you are. That is a, a spiritual truth that you can grab hold of. And I'll tell you, church, if your life is characterized by a pattern of conscious sin, like you know you're sinning and you just don't care, I would, I would dare to say maybe you're not a believer, a true believer. If, you're, if your life, if your life is, is, is full of hatred and you're determined not to forgive someone, that you have it etched in stone, that you're going to hold them accountable, maybe you're not saved. And we also have to look to, if you're committed to material wealth, self-indulgence, your life and your thoughts are devoted to money, cars, clothes, the comforts, if that's what you're living for, check your heart. See, that's the reality is this. A Christian, a Christian desires to become a holy person. See, if you're unrepentant and self-seeking, if you're living a life of debauchery and porn, or if you're doing sensual sins and homosexuality, if you're living in a way that is not according to the will of God, that way with your body, See, that's a, that's a marker. You see, the person that is elected is elected to be holy and blameless before God. See, election ultimately results in holiness, but the process of becoming holy is now. See, that's that thing where we kind of go, wait a minute, so I'm positionally holy before God, so if I die today, yes, but he also wants you to become more like his son here on earth. Another one of those ones where you try to reconcile. But that's the wonder of what God has given us to do. And you know it in your heart, Christian. That's the wonder of it all, too. You have that assurance. You're going, man, you're right. I feel that truth. I understand election, and I don't understand it at the same time. I know you're right. You know why? Because of the blessing of adoption. Adopted. You've been adopted into the family of God. You've been brought in and you have full rights. Full rights. Look what it says in verse five of Ephesians one. It says, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus himself. It's adoption. Now, I have a friend over here in the back, John he and, and Rachel, they, they're, 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 they're fostering a little boy and maybe they'll get to adopt him one day, you know? And he's a beautiful little guy. He's a little baby, he's running around the church, he's fun to watch and just powerful, heavy little guy, you know? And, and he's fun. Now, if he were to, uh, you were to adopt him, the thing is, is he doesn't understand anything. He's still a little baby, right? He's this little guy that's running around and everything, and, and he has no idea of the blessings that he has because he can't embrace it because he's not old enough. But God has adopted you in the standing of not babes, but as adults. So you can enjoy the full inheritance of his blessings right away. See, that's the adoption. 
Oh, there's going to be so much more. There's going to be so much more blessing. But you have this wealth here, this inheritance now that you can tap into. The wonder of understanding who you are, that you have value before God in that salvation, in that wonder of being elected and chosen by God. That's a wonderful load off that your God has chosen you. But not only that, that you know, hey, I can be holy because God says to be holy. I can go after that. That is a blessing. Why? Because he's chosen me. And my heart is in awe of that. But I tell you too, the blessings that you get today are only a down payment. We're gonna talk more about that next week. But you know what? I, I look at ourselves and, I, and it's like, my body's getting older. You know, I can't do the things I used to be able to do. And, and it's like, you know, things happen. And it's, I hurt a little bit more these days. And as we grow older, it's like, ah, we're going to get the full blessing, even more of our inheritance. I want, I want to share and encourage you with Romans. If you go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, it says this, and we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. So it kind of sounds like us. Oh, why much longer, Lord? It's my pain. And the thing is, understand this. Look at verse 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit. See, we get the first blessings. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. See, we've already been adopted, but we're going to get redeemed bodies. Our bodies are going to look real good. You, you're, we're not going to all look the same. We're going to be able to tell each other different, and, and that's different. But the thing is, is we're going to be redeemed. And we're going to know it. We're going to have Christ-like bodies. It's going to be an amazing thing. And so there's so much more physically. Because right now we're experiencing the spiritual blessings. We're going to get the spiritual too, but we're going to have that physical blessing as well. See, that's what we talked about last week. See, and church, when we, we see this, that your God loves you so much, that you're now in his family, you rejoice. See, Paul in this sentence, it's a gigantic sentence. We just kind of broke it up in, in the English. But he, he, he stops periodically just to praise because he's so excited, as we should be. Look at verse 6. He says this. He says, To the praise and the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. See, the grace. He's going, I've been predestined. I'm adopted. I, got, I can be holy and blameless. Man, why? Because of the grace he gave me. That's awesome because of Jesus. That's what he celebrates. Because why? The blessing of redemption. That you've been redeemed. An old song we used to sing in the, in the 80s, I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Filled and sanctified I am. You know, church, that is what Jesus did. See, redemption is basically, it's a payment of a ransom. You were held at bay because of your sin. And Jesus willingly paid that ransom. We see it in verse seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. You see, church, I love that. What does it do? We, we have this, this wonderful gift, that word lavished 
on us. That should make you happy. You see, he didn't just give you like, get a little bit. He lavished, it means to exceed a fixed measure. Meaning it goes above and beyond. You see, you Christian, you have been lavished with blessing. You are now, now part of the elect. <clears throat> you are what? You are somebody that has been sanctified and you can become more like Christ if you go after it. You can become holy. You can seek him out and be like that because you're adopted. Those, he's just lavished it on you because of Christ's sacrifice. That's what he did. See, in the Roman Empire, there were something like 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. That's a lot. And they were bought and sold like furniture. I mean, basically, it would be anybody. You, you had a debt, you couldn't pay it off, you were a slave until you could pay it off. And that went on and on. And how they would do it as then they would, that somebody would buy them and then they would own them. But there's something they could do. They would buy the slave and then they would what? They could set them free. And that's what Jesus did. He bought us. He paid our ransom and set us free. You see, the world is not set free. They are, they are in this, this sad state of living in sin and they're bondaged. They are bound in the bondage of sin. They don't understand it. They're sitting there going, what are you talking about free? See, a Christian, what we can do, we can hear this doctrine and we can reconcile it in our head going, my God is so big, I don't have to understand anything in him but because he's given me a spirit of assurance, which we'll talk more about next week. And you can understand and see the world so clearly because you've been set free. See, the world doesn't understand what freedom is. They think we're under a yoke of slavery because we have to go to church and we strive to be moral people and we strive to become more like our God and we want to and we bind ourselves to church. We give. Who gives? Why would you do that? Because you love God. They don't understand it. They think you're, you're bound. We're there the ones that are lost. See, church, we understand what Peter wrote. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Jesus, he paid for it. Total forgiveness to us. What we're going to do, maybe what you're doing right now, that thought life, what you've done, total forgiveness. And we can't contemplate it. See, church, you cannot measure what your sinful life deserves and what that looks like compared to God's holiness. We can't fathom it. A God that is so holy and great when Isaiah said, woe to me, a man of unclean lips. And he fell at before God in all respect and all honor and humility and in fear because his God was so holy, he couldn't handle it. Even John, when he had the revelation and he was before God in heaven, he did the same and he's just like, whoa. 
You can't even understand the depths of your sin of what that deserves. But your God, he embraces you. He chose you. And church, that is the blessing of understanding. The blessing of understanding. Though you may not grasp it, you can understand that your God loves you that much. And you should just go, wow. I can't grasp the things of God, but you know what? I can grasp him because he loves me, and I can understand that. See, church, look what it says in Ephesians 1.8. In all wisdom and insight. See, he's blessed us with two things here. Two things. Wisdom. Wisdom emphasizes understanding of ultimate things. You understand heaven and hell. You understand the realities of sin and holiness. The world doesn't. You understand the focus that you would like to have, and you know that your God is in that. That is wisdom. God has granted you that. He's also granted you choice. And that's where we come into this, insight. Insight is the, in, the, in the practical things. You have this, church. You can be, it's like being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. You can deny him, or you can have that insight that he dwells within you and he is taking you through this world. That's what we want to do. And he's going to guide you in regard to his will. In the final two verses that we're going to look at, you'll see in verses 9 and 10, it says this. In all wisdom, or excuse me, and he said, he, may, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he proposed in him. Now, I want to stop there. What's the mystery of his will? Well, the mystery of his will, it's not a hidden mystery. It's there for you, that you would be what? You would be sanctified. That you would understand that you are part of the elect. That you would understand what it means to be somebody that is what? Adopted into the family of God. That you would have this wonderful understanding of who he is because the mystery is now the church is brought before God. That was hid from ages past and now it's been revealed to you and you can see it plainly and this is the blessing and it goes on with a view of an administration suitable for the fullness of times that is the summing up of all things in Christ the things in heaven and the heavens and the things on earth so what do we see here see he says the administration well, we look at that and go administration what does that mean well, in, in some areas, it means how it's going to be dispensed or maybe a, a way of doing things. We call it a dispensation. See, how is God doing things now? He's doing things with the church. And the church is going to be summed up at the end. The church is going to be complete. And then we go into what? It's called the millennial kingdom. And that's why we're, we're pre-millennial. We believe that the church is now and God is summing up all things in the church, in Christ. And then after, what's gonna happen? When Christ sums up everything, that's when he separates the sheep and the goats. That's when he sees that, say, hey, you are part of the elect and you are not. You see, church, we have to understand that, yeah, there's, this is all going to be summed up. 
And the wonder is for the Christian, as we know we have the assurance because we were part of the elect, because we chose God. And we can rest in the fact that we can be sanctified and we are sanctified and we grow like God in, in becoming like men and women that he's called us to be. And we understand too that big blessing of redemption because through that we are adopted into the family of God. And in that understanding, church, you can sit back and you can praise him. You can relax in your life in the sense of, my God's got the big things taken care of. I'm just gonna pursue him. Because we know at the summing up of time, everyone, everyone will stand before Christ. And every knee will then kneel, as it says in Philippians. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, church, what do we see there? We see the reality. We're going to be sitting there, and we are going to be worshiping and kneeling out of joy and ecstasy because why? We've been chosen. But there are those that are not, and they'll be kneeling out of fear. Now, Christian, many of us, we aren't embracing these because we're too busy living our lives. We are too busy saying, you know what, I have better things to do. And that's not how we should live because if you embrace the doctrine of election, the doctrine of sanctification, the doctrine of redemption, adoption, and understanding, if you grab hold of these, your life will start to manifest Jesus because you will see how valuable you are. So maybe you need to repent of a sin. Maybe you need to say, God, I have things that I have placed before you and I am missing the joys and the blessings of my life with you. It's time you turn from that. It's called repentance. And Christian, you know you need to do that. Now, there's some people here that may not be saved, and I'll tell you, you know, our, our history as a nation, you know, we think of 9-11. Those, those people died unknowingly on that day. And today, we don't know the outcome of us as we leave this room. You may never have a chance again. And I tell you, the greatest decision is to make Jesus your Savior. Because you've got nothing else. This world is fleeting, yet Jesus offers you eternity with him. And the people here that have accepted him, they understand that truth. And unless you do it, you are turning your back on God and you're turning your back on life and you're going out in bondage. So I ask you, I plead with you, make Jesus your Lord and Savior today. It's easy. All you say is, Jesus, I want you. Save me from my sin, please. Make me new. That's what we do. Invite him in and say, I don't want my sinful life anymore. Say, come in, Jesus, please. And in Revelations, we see knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will find and you've got to find it. And he'll say, yes, I'm here. You don't have to go searching. You just ask. And I'm going to have the worship team come up and I pray that you would pray with me now. Christian, you need to pray too because we have short 
amount of time left. We might as well be living it for our God. Let's bow. Lord God, we don't know what you have in store for our world, for our nation, for us individually. And so, God, we can decide now to enjoy the blessings that you have given us and the value you have placed on us. God, let us turn to you, myself included. Let us just say, now, God, you have reign over my life. And if you want to accept Jesus, you say, Jesus, please come into my life. Save me from my sin. I believe that you died and rose again on that cross. And God, I believe that you are seated at the right hand of the Father. So please save me. Make me new. Lord God, you know the hearts and the souls of men and women in this room. I pray, Lord God, that you would guide them, that you would give them joy, that you would let them be the lights in this world that so desperately need hope. Please, God, we ask you these things. In Jesus' name.